This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Howie Zales is an award-winning camera operator who turned his passion for television broadcasting into several entrepreneurial endeavors. Howie created HJZ Productions in 2000 to address the need for professional-level sports staffing. And in 2020, he and his team created V. ES offering broadcast quality live stream productions of professional sports shows and interviews, corporate interviews and meetings, and religious services. Howie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Honored and grateful to be here. You know, I, I gotta, before we get started, I just read your introduction as the audience just heard. And I chickened out when I came to the name of your company. I chickened out. I said VES because I looked at that name. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get it right. So how do you say the name of that company? Veridity Entertainment Services. And uh, maybe most people haven't heard of the word Veridity, but uh, it's a cool story on how my wife and business partner, how we came up with it. I went to a mastermind and uh, they were one of the lessons in the mastermind group was if you are in business and you react when something goes really, really good and you react all the time, really in a high state, right? That's called being in the blue zone. If you react, things go bad and you're always like, you know, this is the worst thing in the world. It's it's awful, terrible. That's called being in the red. My personality is very even keeled no matter what the situation is and allows me to make decisions, good or bad, with an even keeled mind. And that's called being in the green zone. So we looked in the thesaurus for a word that meant green and we didn't want it to be uh, money related because that's obnoxious. And we came across the word veridity and then tied it with entertainment. I'm glad you said it because that was not how I was going to say it. I kept looking at it. I'm like, V-I-R-I-D-I-T-E. I'm like, my my body and my brain wanted to say veridity, but that wasn't wrong. But I'm so glad you said it because I would have butchered it. So now we know how to say it. But don't don't give me a test on it because I will probably fail it. So I looked at your website and I got to tell you that when you first reached out to be on the show, I went to your website and you got this picture of you wearing one of those NFL red vests on the sidelines. And I'm like, this can't be doctor. This got to be real. And then we were talking to, before we started recording today that you've actually shot almost every major sporting event. And as a yes. sports fan, I watched the NBA, which is the only sport as far as I know that you can get, you can buy tickets right up to where they're playing hockey. You're behind, you know, the, the, the glass football, you're up on the stands. So let me ask you this. What is it like to film on the sidelines of the NFL? It's, I, I always have done a handheld camera for football, whether it's college or NFL. And so that, that I'm always on the sideline and it's the most exciting I think the most exciting cameras to shoot because you're in the action, you're amongst the players and the coaches, and you know you're in the thick of it. Uh, but it does have comes with a, a little peril because uh, I've ended up with two concussions: one from getting hit on an, an NFL sideline and one on a college sideline. It could be extremely dangerous and you have to have a head like on a swivel because you never know who's coming running at you or or what can happen. 
Well, we've all seen those those shots where the cameraman gets bowled over. I've seen it both in the NBA and the NFL because yeah. those guys, especially a running back, he's running at full tilt, and the defense is chasing him at full tilt. And I couldn't imagine seeing that coming toward me. I don't know what I would think. Well, we're taught to – you never go, especially on the NFL sideline – or college, you never go backwards because the players are going towards you. And if uh. you go backwards, they're just coming right into you. So you basically just pick a direction and at least you have 50% chance of <laughs> them not going in that direction. And in most cases, as long as you pick a direction, they do everything they can to, to avoid you. What is your most memorable moment Let's stick with the NFL for right now. Sure. What is your most memorable moment that you got a chance to uh, photograph? I think um, my most memorable NFL moment was when Peyton Manning won his first Super Bowl. I was the only camera operator with him when the clock expired and they won. Oh, wow. I was like, <laughs> I, it was just dumb luck. And uh, I positioned myself to try to get a, a good shot knowing that the game was going to end, but no one could find him. And you know, I was lucky enough to find him. It got, it has to be so competitive. I remember when I used to be a radio DJ back in another lifetime <laughs> and getting those prime spots when the regular DJ took a vacation was so competitive. I got to imagine now the NFL does have a restriction on who can be on the yeah. field, obviously, but are there, is there a tremendous amount of competition between you and other camera people? Yeah, everyone won. It would be crazy to tell you I didn't. You didn't have an ego because you want your <laughs> replay used, right? So yeah, and, and if they don't use your replay, you're like, man, it looked better on my camera. And so I, I, absolutely, there's a little uh, internal jabbing going on. How restrictive is the NFL to be on the sideline to film? Do you have to go through some kind of background process? Uh, do you have to be vetted? How does that work? Because obviously. They don't want a thousand people uh, with cameras on the sideline. Well, I, I typically work for one network. And so the network supplies the stadium or the NFL with the crew. With the crew oh, okay. List. Yep. Interesting. Have yep. you done the NBA? Yes. It, it's been a long time, but yeah, I've done plenty of, I'm from New York. So plenty of Knicks and Nets games. Under the basket? Yes. That, man, I've seen some of those collisions. I mean, they're just sitting there, you know, cross-legged with the camera. And I'm like, here's this yeah. seven-foot guy just bowls into him. Well, the, at least in the NBA, if you notice right to the left left of the camera operator, there's a runoff lane. I think it's to the left. There's a runoff lane for the player. It's literally right underneath the basket. Oh, okay. And you're not supposed to be in that lane. And if you're in that lane, you're going to get hit. Now, the players do everything they can to stay in that lane. Sometimes things happen. Yeah. I mean, they could be tripped up or whatever. Uh, the players, I imagine, that run in the cameraman, I got to imagine they're really courteous. They're probably really apologetic because they don't, certainly no player in any sport would do it intentionally. Correct. Absolutely. What about the NHL? That's a little different sport to film because you're behind the glass. Did you do any of those, any of those hockey games? 
Yeah, I've done plenty, plenty of hockey. Hockey's a blast to shoot because it's fast moving, fast paced. Mm-hmm. The sounds are amazing. It's a lot of fun to shoot and you have different responsibilities depending on what's going on. One fun story from my first ever hockey game. It was back in like maybe 2000, 1999. And we were using these old heavy cameras and I had a handheld camera. First hockey game I ever shot. Someone took a Sharpie and put dots in the viewfinder. So when I held the camera up to my eye, I'm like, there's like dots in there. And then when (laughs) the puck is black, now I have these black dots. I for the I couldn't even find the puck at all the wow. entire game. It was it was it was a rough way to start a career. <laughs> well, obviously you made it because you've been yeah. in it for twenty five years, and you also did the Olympics. I've done plenty of Olympics in the summer. I, I've done. I was the f- camera operator that took Michael Phelps out of the pool when he won won his first sets of gold medals. Oh I wow! Think that was in Greece. And then after that Olympics, I transitioned to gymnastics and I was with the U.S. women when they won their gold medals in Beijing and London. Wow. So let's say someone listening to our conversation, by the way, thank you for taking us on that little journey. That was incredible to hear. Someone says, you know, I've always wanted to be a camera guy for some sport, but I don't know where where to go? How do I get started? How how do they do that? Because obviously we need to have cameramen. And right. So you don't go cameramen.com. Probably <laughs> some steps you have to go through to do what you do. So how do, how do we do that? Yeah, uh, there's a few different steps. You know, I, I went to college for for broadcasting or mass communication was called then. It's not necessary to go to college to get into this business. It's, it's you know, if this is what you want to do, if you want to become involved in the broadcast sports or entertainment industry, college is not necessary. I actually have a course and a book and the book goes along with the course on, on how to get into the broadcast sports and entertainment industry. And we take, and it's not just camera operators, it's all different positions because there's many different people that it takes to put on a show. So we take people through the different positions. What can, why, why do this position versus that position, how to get clients, who the clients are, how to interview, how to email, how to you know, send an appropriate email. And then we bring in all all of the equipment and show people how to use the equipment because those big cameras that you see come in like five different pieces. So they have to be constructed on site each time. And there's a certain way to, you know, we use a lot of cable to get from the TV truck to the camera. There's a certain way to coil the cable and it could take years to learn if you don't learn the right way. So we teach all these different skills in the course, in the book, we also outline people, no matter what position you're doing, um, what your responsibilities are from the second you say yes to the job to the second you get in your car at night to go home, or what your responsibilities are, no matter what position. And then we outline how to shoot generally baseball, basketball, soccer, ho- hockey, boxing um, from every camera position because sports is a shot is all a formula. If you're doing, let's say baseball, right. And you're doing the camera on the third base dugout, you have one set of responsibilities. If it's a right-handed batter versus a left-handed batter. And if it's a left-handed batter and there's a runner on first, now you have a different set of responsibilities. And if there's a runner on first and second, so on and so forth. Now, 
you've been doing this so long, you're probably like a Tom Brady. The thing that makes Tom Brady so successful, he can read any defense. See, it's not his arm. It's not the fact that he's a mobile or immobile quarterback. It's the fact he can read defenses really well. That's why he can play probably till he's 97 years old. <laughs> I think cameramen like you with all the experience, I mean, you could go through your course and read the book, but when you're doing it for so long, you know, okay, when this guy, when he's on third down, I know he's going to, chances are he's going to go on this side or this guy's going to get the ball, right? So you learn these over years and years of shooting Forge, you know, basically have the sense of what's going to happen, and that's how you get the great shots. Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated? Are you under a lot of stress? There's a better way. You only get one life, so why not feel peace and freedom and enjoy your life? You can. Find out more at 90daystobustingoverwhelm.com. Yeah, you have to think like you're playing the game, right? So in and for camera operators, especially in football, you're not allowed between the 30 and the 30 because that's the bench area, right? Oh, so, really? Okay. Yeah. So, well, you can, if your responsibility is getting bench shots, you can shoot from behind the bench, but okay. you can't go into the space to shoot the game. You have to stay clear of it. Uh, so, because they're coming out and off the field. Gotcha. Yeah. So, if, if, if the ball is on the, th- 30 yard line heading towards the goal where you on the same side of the field you're on if it's third and one they're going to run the ball so you got to think okay they're going to run the ball i should stay close to the line of scrimmage to get that shot of the ball maybe going over the line of scrimmage for the first down but if it's third and nine in the same location you have to place yourself 10 yards ahead or maybe 15 to get that long pass because if they pass the ball and they pass the ball and it's passed where you are, you're not going to get the shot because oh. then you're going to be shooting a- away from where the ball is going. Wow. You know, as, as I'm, you know, this is, we're seeing each other on video, ladies and gentlemen, you only hear the audio portion, but I can tell you a gray hair. I shaved my head, so I'm in denial of gray hair. But I was thinking while you're telling about all the different camera angles. I remember when I first started watching football with my dad back in the 70s. Do you remember those broadcasts? They had like (laughs) one camera angle, and when they put the graphics on the screen, it took up half the screen, if they had any graphics at all. Do you know how many cameras they used back then in the 70s? Because now they use, what, 50 or 60 cameras, I imagine? On a Super Bowl, probably close to 55, 60. Wow. Yeah, Kentucky Derby, uh, plenty, about 50 cameras between drones now and planes and cable cams. How many did they use back in the day? Do you remember? Back in the no, 70s? I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay. Probably probably five or six. Not not many. It was expensive. The cameras back there were expensive, and the football wasn't as big as it is today. I mean, right now, the NFL is the king of sports, at least in America. Outside America, it's uh, what they call football. We call soccer. Now, yeah. let me ask you this question. Someone wants to get into your industry. Okay? Right. And they're like, okay, I want to wait to the end of the show. I want to find out about this course in this book, which will give the information in just a few minutes. Sure. What are some things that people should already be able to do if they're going to get into this? Obviously, if you have no idea what a camera is, you have no idea what football is or soccer or baseball Probably not a good candidate, I imagine, to get into this because you guys have some sense. But what would you say is the minimum requirements for you to get into this field? 
you should have some understanding of, of sports or you don't have to be play. You don't have to play them or be good at them, but you should have an understanding of them. You have to know the rules of, uh, of the games, right? You have to know what uh, offsides is in soccer and recognize that whether you're in the replay room or if you're a camera operator, you have to know those, those things because in the replay room, you have to recognize where the offsides is and let the producer know that you have that and you can roll it back as a replay. Just one example. If you're going to be an audio operator, it's not really that necessary to know the rules of the game because you're more responsible for the technical aspect of the audio, which doesn't really have anything to do with the technical aspect of the sports that you're covering, if that makes sense. Now, what about equipment? Can you get into your line of business and have never picked up a camera before? The only camera you've ever yes. used was your iPhone? Yeah, absolutely. But you have to be, you have to be a little bit creative, right? Because, and, and be willing to work hard because you would start out at, let's say, as a utility, right? You would learn the business. You would learn who the clients are. You learn how to run cable, how to be a helping hand. And then almost like, be an apprentice to other camera people or other audio people, depending on what you would want to do. But you have to be creative. You have to be willing to not just, if you're doing a handheld camera, stand there shooting what's going on. You have to be willing to maybe take the camera off your shoulder and shoot up. How can you make things constantly be thinking, how can you make things look more dramatic, look more cinematic, make a movie out of it, out of anything that is in your uh, viewfinder. You know, we watch sports and I really appreciate all the cameras we have, whatever sport you're watching. And I've gotten to the point now, I don't know if I ever want to go to a live game anymore because <laughs> you get better camera angles than you have a TiVo or something like that. You can do your own replays or you could pause it, which is really nice. I've even gotten to the part now where I will watch games like an hour after they start and I just watch them on delay. So I don't have to watch the commercials. Right. But you guys do such a great job. I'm like, why would I want to overpay for parking, overpay for a ticket, overpay for a hot dog when I can watch it from the comfort of my own home? Because your cameramen have brought the game to an entirely different level. If you're watching like Wimbledon or the French Open, you get to see things that people in the audience, I think, can't really appreciate. So I want to thank you. Not because you served our country in the military, <laughs> but because you make sports, all you camera people make sports viewing so much more pleasurable. I mean, I was watching um, the NBA last year, last week, I think it was, and the all the camera angles you get to see that those people in the stands, they don't get to see those images. Right. So true. If you could only film one sport, which would it be? Oof. <laughs> that that's hard I, I, i'm gonna say either the kentucky derby or the olympics and really? in the olympics i've done gymnastics and figure skating those are my top three now you mentioned hockey was really exciting to do have you ever videoed a or shot a fight uh, like boxing no a fight like hockey fight oh, oh yeah 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 of course of course of course <laughs> i had a guy on my show dave scatchard about nine months ago and he was a tough guy in the nhl and a lot of people don't realize that fighting is a strategy. So if right. one team is like they just can't get going, the the goon go out there and start a fight, and it kind of turns the 
the tide, but you can go on YouTube and just Google hockey fights. They're all <laughs> over the place. And it's like, I mean, some of them are like really bloody, but you got to remember these guys are probably having a beer later on. That's right, right. That's what people don't understand. It's all part of the game. I remember the first time. Yeah. The first time I saw my first hockey fight, I must've been like seven or eight. And I was, I was crying. I was, at, I was in Rochester, New York, watching the Rochester Amberks play. And I, I tell my dad, they're hurting each other. He goes, Oh, son, it's just part of the game. And now I realize it's just a strategy. They do that right. in baseball when they clear the benches. It's usually either a really tight game or a blowout. If it's a, it's a, for the good game, there's not, there's not a, a bench clearing brawl. Right. I mean, obviously there's exceptions to all this stuff, but it's a part of the game. And I was just curious because. Those guys go at it. They they can duke it out really good. So yes. now you you have an independent company now, so you're no longer affiliated with any other network or anything like that. You actually have your own company now. Yes. We, we have two businesses, one HJZ Productions, where we provide TV crew to clients that come into... The, we started with the New York, New Jersey area, but we kind of branched out nationwide. And I've always had that business since about 2000. A good friend of mine called me one time and I miss in the morning used to do his radio show and they used to broadcast it on MSNBC. Well, if my, my friend of mine worked at MSNBC and said, Hey, Howie, we're going to do Imus's show on the road. You want to do camera for it? And I said, sure, I'm available. And he said, you know, we, we need some camera people, some audio people, some, some other crew people. Do you have any other friends? And I'm like, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, can you payroll them? Uh, can you hire them and pay them for us and just send us one invoice? It would make my life so much easier. I'm like, sure. And I'm like, there's got to be a business here. <laughs> HJZ Productions was born and we've been doing sports and entertainment shows throughout the country since. And then during the pandemic, you know, when everything got shut down, we needed a pivot. We needed a way to make an, in an income because obviously, like every other industry, it got TV business was closed, shut down, sports was shut down. We opened up a live streaming business. Yeah, live streaming is huge because now not only can people like you live stream, but mere mortals like me can stream on my phone, which is an absolutely incredible. And I want to ask you the final question I want to ask you here is about high school sports. So I remember back in the day, high school sports were never on TV. Maybe someone would record the game and throw it on at 2 o'clock in the morning. Now it's becoming big business. You could have a small school, and now they're streaming on the internet. I mean, this streaming thing is is everywhere now. That's the beauty of it. it sports that it's very, very expensive to produce a, a television show, especially sports, because it's remote. It's not in a studio. It requires a TV truck. Most TV trucks that are on the road today come in a set of two, and they're $20 million trucks each. So you can imagine what it costs to rent those for a one-day show. Wow. We're talking maybe twenty dollars to $30,000 to produce one show just for the TV truck, not the crew. Wow. Uh, so... A lot of sports go untelevised. With streaming where it is now because of the pandemic, there's a lot of sports, including high school sports, lower level college sports, so a lot of track and field meets that never would have seen the light, light of day are now getting streamed, causing more jobs for the TV business and people around those events because now that things are being broadcasted, things need to be brought up to a certain level. Athletes are getting more recognized and maybe these college, these high school students that colleges might not have seen 
mm-hmm. before are going to get seen somehow through live streams. Wow. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. I was on the edge of my seat because, you know, I've never talked to anyone who who films stuff like this. Absolutely incredible. So how can people get a hold of your course, get your book? Because, you know, I'm interested, but I, I love what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm not going to get in this field, but I know someone listening is interested. So where can they go to find out about that? The best place is HowieZales.com. All of our company's websites are under that umbrella. I also have a podcast called TV Crew Talk, where we talk about the television sports business and listen to that. And I'm also on LinkedIn and uh, Instagram at Howie Zales. Excellent. Well, Howie, I want to thank you for coming on the show today and sharing behind the scenes of how all this great video from Sporting Events happens and how we can get involved in that field. I really appreciate you being here, sir. My pleasure. Thank you. And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age, but you took the time to listen to the episode, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to head on over to top5productivitytips.com and get my gift to you, my top five productivity tips. Remember, it's the number five in top5productivitytips.com. They will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you again real soon.